plugged in? It's not. All right, there. It's buzzing for me. Oh, that's all I have to do? That's not awkward. Sounds good. I'm pretty excited about today. This is, uh, I think, a message that's going to be applicable to everyone. I'm really afraid because literally I have like um, over 20 slides because it's going to go section by section. We're going to go piece by piece in the book of Titus. So if you're not up to speed, I'll give you up to speed right now. The situation is that Paul had dropped off Titus. He's a pastor in Crete. And he said, this is what I need you to do. Set up pastors in these house churches. But while what is happening is in this kind of leadership vacuum, these other leaders have shown up. And he is not impressed by these other leaders. They follow... Um, unclear doctrine, which they're trying to apparently make money at, and then they're also doing a thing that says if you have to do all these right things to be loved by God. So this is totally detrimental. I mean, just imagine if someone, your babysitter, whenever you, you drop your kids off and you show, and show them love and grace and all these things, and then they are undermining that whole process, saying like, your parents will only love you if you clean your room and listen to me, right? I mean, like that would be undermining. So Paul is saying, I got to drop new people in, new pastors in. So last week we looked at some of those attributes of what it means to be a pastor, and some of the things that he was looking for. And it, most of these are just character things. He wasn't saying, make sure, ironically, I, I would ask this, if you just had in your mind, if uh, we were going to get a new pastor, what would you say we would be looking for? I can tell you what people write down, if you want to know. They write the same three things down every single time. So you try and think of something new, just so you're not a stereotype. They say that he should be a good preacher, that he's good with the youth, and then he has an evangelistic, like, mission mindset. Did you have any of those on there? No one wants to admit it. I know. And they want a congregation that tells the truth. That's what, that's what, the, no, no. The, that happens all the time. But what's really strange in that list is it never says that. He didn't say, like, go oh, make sure you can find someone who's really a good preacher. Make sure you find someone who's, like, totally a mission-minded person. Make sure you find someone who's really good with the teens or something like that. And that's our mindset. These are things we want people to do things. That's an American mindset. Paul was totally focused on character. He wanted someone who's committed to his wife. He wanted someone that was uh, respectful, that was um, committed to the trustworthy message of the gospel. Now he's shifting over to say, okay, um, here's what I want you to teach the people. So now that you, all these other people are teaching all this other garbage, now that you're going to be in there as kind of the lead pastor for a whole island, like the size of Puerto Rico, this is what I want you to teach the people. And he's going to do that in sections. I, I'm going to try it down here first to see if it works. Of course it doesn't. There we go. So he said he's going to talk to the older men, older women, and you can kind of guess where this is going, younger women, young men, and then finally uh, the slaves, which is coming up here in a second. Do I really have to do this? I'm going to get a corded remote next time. I'm just going to get the giant, like, 40-foot clicker, so we can do that. So this is where he starts. <laughs> the comparison is all these other false teachers come. They're not teaching anything worthwhile. And so Paul says, no, 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 no. You have to teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. So we're going to go through each of these. And of course, it's the chance where I have a thousand clicks that's going to be happening here. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to just say next slide. Can you do that for me? I'll, we're going to have a code word. And the code word is next. Okay? Next. Is this true? There we go. <laughs> Let's practice the co-word again. <laughs> Was the, is the pro presenter just super slow? <laughs> so it's me, you, or the pro presenter. One of these three things that, okay, I, I will be quicker next time. 
Okay, um, <laughs> teach the older men. You can probably just fill them in just for sake so we're not being super distracting. So you can just fill in those blanks. There should be uh, temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith and love and endurance. And so he's talking to the older men. This is where most of the instruction happens, which is somewhat fascinating. He says, you're going to go into this congregation, and we're going to talk just through a few of these things. When you think of um, older men, what would be the things they naturally would fall into? What would be the struggle of an older man if you're talking about sinful behavior? What did you say? Complaining. complaining. Are old, old guys complain? Looking forward to that. <laughs> How old are you, Jason? <laughs> no, we're going to get to you, young men. We're going to get to you. Don't worry about it. So yes, complaining is sometimes it, kind of being grumpy old man. There's like a movie that's funny because there's grumpy old men. They don't say, uh, we're going to get to uh, older ladies here in a second. But that was one issue. Something else, when you think about your own, what do people, older guys struggle with? as they transition, and, and part of it, they yeah, complain about the next generation. They're, never, they're not like I did. They don't work like I used to do it. You know, I used to get to work up early, and I did my stuff, and they, you know, it kind of goes on like that. So temperate, it's got two meanings. One is being that is, this is like sober-minded. So one is just like you're kind of even keel, but the other mind is directly connected. That word is connected, connected to drunkenness. So he's being not... So the same word is used. So basically, be sober in your life. We're not sure exactly which one we mean, but we'd say sober in your life, your decision-making, and sober in your behavior for drinking, right? This is a concern. Teach them to be worthy of respect. And I think that's worthwhile because in that culture, just by age, you naturally get respect. He's, and you naturally get that, right? Like a, a teacher naturally gets respect. A police officer naturally gets respect. A judge naturally gets respect. It's the weirdest thing. Has anyone been in a traffic court? Hypothetically? Right? It's the weirdest thing. Yes, your honor. No, your honor. And it's the, this, this, all these kind of back and forth things. When most of our society is slipping, like you could talk to your doctor, you probably, I would guess when your doctor is your age or younger, it's hard to say, Dr. Smith. I think most of us are like, listen, Bill, what's going on? Right? That's, I mean, that's what's happening. Same thing is happening in the pastor. It was a time where pastor was a very redeemed kind of idea. If you go to different countries, this is not in America, but if you go to different countries like Canada or um, people who are in the Bahamas or in Mexico, this is a big thing. It's revered padre and the priest and father and things like that. That is not the case in the United States. So what has happened instead of reverend, I, I told you I worked with a person, but he would go, if he used my name, he'd say the reverend Jared Oldenburg comma pastor when he would sign letters. That, that's how he was very distinguished about it. His wife was from Latin America. Titles matter. Is that the same thing now? People come and they say, what should I call you? I say Jared if we're hanging out or pastor is fine. You don't have to say pastor Jared or something like that. Like this is going down. There is a thing that's worthy of respect. It's especially disappointing just because their title is worthy of respect doesn't mean they are worthy of respect. How many people can you think of, like police officers, yes, officer, and you're just thinking, I cannot stand you right now, right? Like the way that they handle it. And there's other officers who give you a ticket, hypothetically, and you're like, you know what? They did that the right way. In Wyoming, it's $10 for a seatbelt ticket. Did you know that? That's almost free. Like, why? <laughs> the... the um, I'm not going to bring up the Wyoming story again. I'm like, what am I going to hit in Wyoming? And anyway, um, so there's certain ways, uh, teachers, right? There's teachers worthy of respect. They just, they have the right title, but they conduct themselves in a way that it doesn't matter if they had the title or not. You want to show them love and respect. There's certain things that he needs saying as an older man, you naturally have the title of an older man, but, but act in a way that is respectful. And I remember distinctly the first time this changed for me, and this is, sounds like a strange thing, but I always looked up to older men. I always thought, wow, they're, they're doing it. And I always thought of them as being kindly because my grandpas were kindly, right? And they're nice and they, they care about people. And I worked at the lumber yard and I was, a guy was doing returns for Soffit. 
So I worked six years, and he had a box of soffit, which is like this metal stuff that you got to worry about cutting your hand on. And so I have to count it before I put it on my truck and then take it back. But anyway, I'm counting it. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot in here. And I take the box and I stood it up. I heard something move. He had taken all the cut pieces and put them to the end of the box. And you think, like, big deal? But I was, like, heartbroken. I'm like, who would want a grandpa that lies about, like, $20 worth of soffit? And this is exactly kind of what Paul's, guys, if you're older, you naturally have people's respect. Now, just function in a way that, that you're not just demanding that, but you earn that. Self-controlled, he actually says about all four groups, be self-controlled um, in, in all the things that you do. And you think about that. And now, this is the big thing. Be sound in faith, solid, is kind of the word that you're talking about. Be a solid human when it comes to your faith and the way that you love and the way that you endure. And I think solid just means like it's not up and down. And I think some of you have found that. There's people that are very emotional. And these should be like, someone called it the balance wheel of a congregation. That when you look at the older men in the congregation, they're just solid. They're there. They do their thing. They love. And they're consistent. That's what that endurance is talking about. Ellie, if you can do the next one. Oh, nice. Uh, teach the older women to be, and we're going to have to fill these in. Oh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't say the password. Um, when you think... What would be a struggle as, as an older woman? What would be a struggle? So now, I'm not asking you to stereotype people and look around and, and say, oh, that person would struggle with this sin. But what would be, as you get older, as a woman, what are the things that you would struggle with? <laughs> that we, you're tipping it solid and loving. That's what we're working on. We're working on. Um, so listening, all right patience. What about as your role shifts? And I think this is where there's, you've got a very sense of purpose, especially in this culture, like you're raising the family. Most of them were in the home. You, you have this shift of like, I've got something to do. I've got the kids. I'm doing this. And then when the kids are gone, there's like this void. And I think the void has to be filled by something. And this is what Paul's going to address. He said, here's my concern that you're going to fill this void with two things. And I've seen this happen, not just I'm saying in our congregation. One is talking about people, and two is drinking wine. And that sounds like, are you serious? There's something that when this is emptied out and this sense of purpose, it's really easy to take, to take a self-reflection, I think, and take a look at the younger generation and say, well, they're not doing it the way I did it. Because you, you kind of sense your importance sliding down, I think. I can sense that as I get older, but you, you can kind of sense that sliding down and other people are being elevated and people are looking at them and, and this strange feeling, like I said, like when guys walk by and they start looking at your daughters instead of looking at you, I'm like there's just all this shift and you're saying, what is happening? And Paul says the same thing. So when you teach the older women, be reverent in the way that you live, completely upright. And then I ask you at the next one. Not to be slanders or addicted to much wine, that same thing. It's really the words that they have there, addicted to much wine, is a slave to wine. And I think that's somewhat fascinating. Don't be enslaved by this because this can consume you. And then the next part. But teach what is good, so you can hold it there. Um, so when you talk to the other women, reverent in the way that they live, not to be slanders, addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. And there's kind of a vacuum, and I'm, this is just my observation, but there's a vacuum also in marriages when they talk about if Men are going to have an affair. I think I read something that's going to happen in the first seven years. And if women struggle and are going to have an affair, it happens after that, which is a fascinating thing. It never made any sense to me. But what, what sort of shifts is you put all this work and you put all this time, you put all this energy in your family and the things you're going to be doing, and then suddenly you're standing like face-to-face -face with the person you're married and there's nothing in between you. 
and you're trying to say, like, where do I find satisfaction? And I've seen countless times in society where women are now saying, you know what, I want to be my own person, and they're, they're walking out on husbands when their kids are there. So what is Paul saying to them? Titus, you have to teach these women, reverent in the way that they live, not slanders or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Now, who are they teaching what is good? Don't look ahead. The next generation. And that's exactly it. So I think here is the struggle. Um, most of us want, and I've said that before, most of us want everyone to do really well as long as it's not as well as you do. Right? I, I, that's what I said. I want you guys to all make a ton of money as long as it's not as much as I make. Then they, right? And, and my pastor friends, they've even said the same thing. I train up missionaries, and this is something that would be a struggle, right? I want all their churches to be blessed and things go fantastic as long as it's not better than our church because then it gets really hard, right? When they're like, yeah, I was going to ask you for advice, but we're doing better than you. <laughs> so um, how do you think it feels as a lady? And, and I've seen this again happen where you struggle, where it's easy to take the next generation down a few notches to say, I can't believe this is how they parent. I can't believe this is how they handle their kids. I can't believe this is how they conduct themselves, which is A, slandering, right? And so now, and, and how does it feel? How mature do you have to be? Let me ask it that way. To be able to say, I want to do the very best I can in a loving, kind way to help all these ladies to be even better parents, better wives, better employees than I ever was. That takes something. And so Paul is saying, this is what I'm calling you to do. As you've got maturity, you've made mistakes to be able to say that. Now, there's a difference, right? I think most of us have struggled with this, that you have someone at a certain point, when they've lived long enough, they say, you know what, I just say it. Has anyone experienced this? I've seen multiple snurks. Um, this is kind of what happens when you've lived long enough, you're just like, I'm going to just say how it is. Like, that's like this badge of honor. But that, does Paul ever say that? Does he ever say just confront them and humiliate people and tell them how it is? No, he says, this is what I want you to do, to teach what is good. If you can hit the next one, Ellie. They can urge the younger women, and now he's got a long list for the younger women, what he's asking the older women to teach. So if you're an older woman, you're saying, okay, this is what I'm trying to teach. And if you're a younger woman, this is what Paul is asking you to teach. Uh, love their husbands and their children. To be self-controlled and pure. To be busy at home. To be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that nothing will malign the word of God. So we've got all kinds of things in here. Uh, but the gist of it is, is to be a good mom, to be a good spouse, to be good at whatever they're doing. It says working at their home, keeping busy, and it's really easy, right? You have all these things, and you get all the credits going somewhere else, and he's saying, take this seriously. This is a big deal because you have the opportunity to show the world not just these family not this immediate impact that you have but you get to show the world what it looks like to be a christian so it's really easy i think if you talk about like oh they're christian but the whole world is staring and searching for hypocrites like that is their main goal when it comes to christianity and he's saying don't give any chance to them so that's pretty quick and it, now for the guys uh, now we have the young men that's all he says like, did you see that whole list for old men, whole list for older women, whole list for young women, and for guys, he, I don't know if he just assumes, like, they're ADHD or something, so, like, <laughs> they come, and he's like, all right, young man, I got to tell you something, they're like, squirrel, he's like, oh, come on, all right, guys, come on, pump the brakes, that's really the only message he has, when you teach the young men, he says, teach him to pump the brakes, just, guys, 
just tone it down. And I think when I teach young kids, I teach fourth, fifth graders, I teach seventh, eighth graders, how many times to the boys, I'm like, guys, just pump the brakes. Just, let's just bring it down. Because they, were, they function in passion, right? How many young men do you know that they're like, well, I just got really mad. And it just like from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And it's like in passion things and they get super frustrated and they want to jump into this next thing. But what do boys listen to? I can't imagine sitting down to give this great inspiring speech. But what do boys listen to? I can't think of his name. Um, I just lost his name. The coach of Nebraska. You told me this story. So that, what's that? Uh, the other guy. The guy who wins. <laughs> Tom, Tom Osborne. There we go. I was, that was not a setup. That was not a setup. <laughs> but it was awesome. All right, so, <clears throat> no, Tom Osborne, he, he would sit down with the guys and he would talk to the, this is in the 90s where they utterly dominated sports, but he would sit down with the guys and say, who do you, um, who do you want to be? And they'd all name like a rapper and they'd name like this football star and they'd name all these guys. And he says, but okay, who do you most respect in the world? And he said, when they went through that, they would say my grandfather or they would say my father or they'd talk about a coach or they'd talk about a teacher. Boys in particular... Um, probably more than girls, I think, want heroes. And if you talk about who influences you, if you're a guy, I bet you're thinking of not some magical speech someone gave you, but you're thinking of, I looked up to this person. And you can see that a little bit with Kobe Bryant's death. I mean, you just, there's people, NBA guys that are like adults, right? This is sad for me, because it, it, it's just because of the age dynamic. But there is guys that say, like, Kobe was the guy. Like, that's how they grew up playing hoops, and they watched everything about him, and like, he was their hero, and now their hero is gone. And so, listen to the next part. So, he says, tell the young men, just don't be out of control, guys. Just pump it. You know, just slow down here a little bit. But in everything, he's talking to Titus, in everything, set them as an example by doing what is good. So, he says, Titus, it is up to you, and now we're talking about guys, right? Guys, set an example to what is good, and your teaching show integrity honesty, seriousness. You're not joking around it, right? In awkwardness, you can make a joke. It's really easy for some of us. That's like the natural thing. And he's saying you're, you're dealing with the word of God and a soundness of speech, a solidness of speech that cannot be, I can go to the next part, uh, condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. So we, just a quick, quick review when we're talking about uh, older men, he's saying uh, live a life worthy of respect. And older women, this is, this is what we're looking for. Um, don't try and fill this gap with slandering and talking about people. Don't try and fill it with wine and all these other things. But take this opportunity that you have to try and make the next generation even better than you are. Make them better at the things that you are. When he talks about the, uh, the younger men, uh, the younger women, he's like, here is your opportunity. You have so much influence. Maybe you don't even know that. You have influence over your house and your, how your husband views the Bible, you have influence about how your kids view God's word. You have influence over the world when you function. And young men, just pump the brakes, all right? This is just, just get by until you're a little bit older and live a life of respect. But now finally, um, teach slaves to be subject to their masters and everything. We'll go through this fairly quickly. We don't have slavery. They had it then. Uh, but you can see some things very uh, um, applicable to if you have a job. Try and please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way, they will make the teachings about God, our Savior, attractive. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. We're going to jump to the next section. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So up until this point, the la if we ended the sermon there, you would you'd walk out the door and just have more rules to live by. Right? Great. How many of you don't know what God wants of you? 
like none of us are like going to steal something or like, wait, isn't there something in the Bible about this, right? Uh, None of us are like just slamming down beers going like, "Ah, is this okay or not okay, right? Like there's no confusion, right? Most of it is not knowing more about what we're supposed to do. It's just doing more of it. And you could leave, I think, with a sense of like, okay, uh, today is a new leaf. Tomorrow is going to be fantastic. This is going to be the best Monday of all time. And this is going to be great. Or you get this sense of guilt that you've done all these failures and you've done all these things. So Paul, I think, brings it around, and this is a key, key thing. He brings it around to say, like, why in the world would we want to do this? Why in the world would I want to live differently than all the other people in this world? And it's pretty simple. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The word appeared is epiphanes. So just look at this collection here. So God's grace has appeared. That's the same word we get for epiphany. We're in the epiphany season. So what are we talking about when the grace of God has appeared? Jesus. He's basically, this is a nuanced picture to say that God has brought what grace in incarnate, in the flesh, Jesus is the real deal. That Jesus has come to bring salvation to all people. And then we have a gap. And while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. You probably heard a few of those sermons that say what not matters is your birthday or end day, but what do they say? Like the dash. And I think that's kind of an awesome, I think it's a poem as well, but I mean, essentially that's what he's saying. Put, put your mind in perspective. Affinity in, in, it lasts forever. Eternity is forever. And we have way on this other end we can't imagine. We have this way other end that we can't quite imagine, but there's like this little dash in time, which is your life on this planet. And you couple that with saying, okay, God brought grace in Christ. I'm looking forward to the hope that I have in Christ. What does that mean as far as the dash? And then he fills it in. It teaches, and and one more time, what teaches? The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. That law is a powerful teacher, right? Penalty is a powerful teacher. And to know that you can get a speeding ticket is a powerful teacher. And to know you can get fired is a powerful teacher. And to know that your wife will leave you is a powerful teacher. Like, that the law is a powerful teacher. But even more powerful is the grace of God. If you really want to transform how you look at things, if you really want to say, like, how do I wake up and I have a motivation to live differently than the world around me, it's not going to be, like, making more rules. It's not going to be more lists. It's going to be recognizing more and more deeply who God is and what does it mean that grace has come that God has actually come to this planet and that God has lived perfectly in each of our places, that God has gone to a cross to take away all our sins and nail those to the cross so that when God sees you, he doesn't see someone who's used up. He doesn't see someone who can do stuff for him. He doesn't see someone who he's jealous of the next generation. He said when God sees you, he sees, as it's going to talk about, well, we wait for the blessed hope. You can go back the other way. Uh, well, we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is who Jesus is. And the more you understand who Jesus is, the more your life can align with what he's talking about. Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem, to pay for all wickedness and to purify for himself. And this beautiful picture, one more, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. If you're struggling, and how could I live more like Christ? Don't keep looking at the rules. Don't keep looking at more lists. Don't stare at the wine bottle and say, not today. If you're struggling, if you're saying like, um, being out of control as a young man, if you're struggling as a young woman, trying to say like, how do I, I don't want to do this family thing, and I'm so frustrated, or you're trying to find attention somewhere else. If you're struggling with that, it's not just saying no, 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 no. If you're struggling with that, you just got to look more and more and more at who Jesus is.
what Christ has done for you, the love that God has poured on for you, and that God has set you apart and said, I have something special in mind for you. I put you in a place for a reason. I've showed my love for you, and I've given everything I have so that you can be my very own, eager to do what is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each of us has unique circumstances in our life, and you give us a lot of things to do in your word, and sometimes that feels intimidating. But all of the reason that Paul is talking to Titus about the behavior we do as a Christian is not just to prove to you that we're worthy, but instead to give, uh, let the world see that Christianity is something special, that Christ is something special that changes not just outward actions, but ultimately it changes a heart. So it, with hearts that are changed, help us to live differently. Set us apart to live as older men and younger men. Set us apart to live as uh, older women and younger women, and even as employees and employers, and show in such a way that your word is not to be maligned, and they can see very clearly. Just get ourselves out of the way so that people can see the beauty and the wonder of what it means to be accepted, not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are, be accepted by your grace. We ask this in your name. Amen.